Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on Open Mic Friday, November the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2020. A lot of 20s in that one, isn't it? I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look at emails, letters sent to us, and the one I'm going to begin with, it's entitled, Questions for Open Mic Friday. Number one, do you know where I can find a good Athanasian creed according to Scripture Bible study online? Well, it just so happens that some time ago, I put together the Bible verses for the various phrases in the Athanasian Creed. And what I'm going to do to this particular person who sent me this email, and I received it yesterday, November the 19th, I will send to you a copy of that uh, over email. So you'll be able to have an understanding of the various Bible verses that are behind the phrases in the Athanasian Creed. Another question, will you explain please contrition? Contrition. Contrition is sorrow over sins coupled with faith in Jesus Christ. In in fact, that's how contrition really works because you can be sorry you did something, but if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you don't realize that you actually did it to him. If you take a look at Matthew 25, which so happens to be the reading in the gospel for this coming Sunday, it's about the sheep and the goats. The the sheep are told that they have done some wonderful things, which provides the evidence for God that they are Christian, whereas the goats may have done the same thing, but they did not do it motivated by their love for Jesus Christ. And, and therefore, when God takes a look at a particular work, even a good work, he's always looking at the motivation. He can do something that we pastors cannot do. He can read hearts. So if somebody goes through my adult instruction, which happened recently and wants to become a member, I believe their word that they confess, I am now of a Lutheran persuasion and I would like to take the Lord's Supper, etc. They get confirmed and they become a member of the church. Now, I'm assuming that what they are saying is true. God can read their heart. People can join the church for reasons that are not appropriate. Like, well, I want to please my spouse or I want to please my parents, or I have business dealings with folks in the church and it'll give me a better opportunity to talk to them. Now, that's not just inappropriate, that's wrong. So 
I go by what a person says in his word. Jesus goes by what their thoughts are. And you know your thoughts as to whether or not you truly believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, who died on the cross to forgive your sins and who rose from the dead for your justification. So contrition is sorrow for what you have done to Jesus. And therefore, it's actually a form of repentance. Repentance, that is from a Greek word called metanoia, and it simply means a change of direction, a change of mind. And that cannot occur for an unbeliever because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to give them that faith in Jesus Christ so that they are really remorseful over their sin. It's not that Christians don't sin. It's just that when they do, they recognize it and ask for forgiveness and can be assured that that forgiveness is coming to them. All right, next question. How is a Christian to properly correct someone? Now, there's no details as to what the correction needs. But as a pastor, every sermon is in a sense a correction to the people in the pew, followed by the treatment that they are to receive. So what do we mean by correction? Well, you take a Bible verse and you examine it from a law and gospel perspective. So rich man comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him, well, you need to obey the commandments. Uh, I'm speaking, by the way, from Mark 10. Rich man says, I've obeyed all those since my youth. Jesus, of course, knows that he has not. And he has great trust in money. It's not wrong to be rich. But when you put your trust in it, remember during the Depression, people committed suicide because they lost a lot of money. But a Christian recognizes that whatever happens with his money is according to God's purpose. So there's no need to get that depressed because God has a promise that he will take care of us to the point where all things will work together to our good. But if you take a look at that text, Jesus says, take your money, give to the poor, and come follow me. And the man goes away sorrowful. Now, this was a man and we've said this countless times before, who probably attended worship at the synagogue or the temple on a regular basis, uh, gave a large amount of money. The disciples are really surprised at what Jesus has said. And so they say, who then can be saved if this man cannot be saved? And Jesus gives them the answer. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. Jesus corrects not only unbelievers, but even believers. 
Peter, when Jesus tells them, well, I'm going to Jerusalem to be put to death. Now, I will rise on the third day. Peter then chastises Jesus, giving the impression, don't worry, I will protect you. How does Jesus correct Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. That doesn't mean that Peter is Satan. No, he's a human being like the rest of us. But when we have the thoughts of Satan, we are acting like Satan. And so the way you correct is the way Jesus corrects. You use the law of God to indicate to someone that they are not following God's will. And that's why there's going to be negative consequences in their lives. It's kind of like the laws of nature. If somebody imagines that they can fly and jump out of a fifth-story window, they're going to find out real quick they can't fly. They're going to hit the ground. It's called gravity. Similarly, people think that they can be happy by following their own desires. And when those are fleshly desires, uh, desires that appear to make them happy at the beginning, they will soon be hitting the ground because there are negative consequences to many sins. So you use the law to show a person where they have been in error. And then after they say, yeah, I guess you're right, but what am I going to do about it? Then the answer is the gospel. Law and gospel is kind of like going to the doctor and you get a diagnosis. Well, you find out that I, I am sick. What can I use to help me? And then he'll prescribe treatment. Now, that's what the church does. We diagnose people as being poor, miserable sinners, but the treatment is the forgiveness of sins and the promises of Jesus from the gospel. This is so important to understand. A person is not saved by believing, for example, that Jesus rose from the dead. That doesn't save anybody. No, because even the devils know he rose from the dead. The Pharisees know he rose from the dead. Historic faith is not proper faith. So it's a waste of time to try and prove that Jesus rose from the dead. And in fact, the only evidence you have for it is, of course, the Bible. And therefore, speaking the words of the Bible, then the Holy Spirit could create faith in a person and they begin to believe not just the history of the Bible, because that can be believed apart from faith, but you believe the promises connected to that history. So the law indicts a person, the gospel provides promises. All right. Received another very interesting kind of video 
And the title of the video was The Eight Reasons I Cannot Share My Faith. It's actually a kind of a comedic video. Appears to be done by some students who are, you know, Christian. And one of them pretends that I have eight reasons why I cannot share my faith. So let's kind of go through in reverse order the eight reasons. The first one, he says, if I share my faith, I might get beat up. And this is part of the comedic part of the video. He's sitting down on the ground and some people go by and he says, I like to tell you about Jesus. And all of a sudden, they kick him, uh, they punch him, they throw him over a wall. Now, that has never happened to me. When, I, when I'm driving an Uber and I'm uh, attempting to witness to passengers, if we get into a discussion, I've never had any of them hit me in the head or take out a gun or anything like that. But it does happen overseas in a number of countries where if you are a Christian, you can expect possibly to be put to death for your Christian faith because other religions consider that to be a good work to put someone to death. So that's his eighth reason that I might get beat up. Reason number seven, and the reason we're going through these is because I've heard this some of these reasons given by Christians. Number seven is, I won't make sense. Well, let me, let me share my understanding of that. Christianity doesn't make sense. Like, for example, you're walking down the street and somebody is coming up behind you and they push you to the ground. So you get up, maybe to defend yourself. But instead, you see it might be an individual who has perhaps some mental problems and his friend says, oh, please, he didn't know what he was doing. And your attitude changes towards him. And so you do not fight back. That's kind of a rare thing. You, you go to bars and many fights begin because somebody gets offended and therefore they may fight back. Christianity doesn't make sense until a person comes to faith. That's found in Corinthians where the unbeliever cannot grasp the things of Christianity. There are so many things that don't make sense in the Christian faith. Like Jesus gets born, and to whom are the angels sent? Not to the priests and religious leaders in Judaism, but to a bunch of shepherds who are considered unclean. Because working with sheep, they're not permitted into the temple proper being unclean. Or to wise men who are Gentiles. Uh, another group that 
is not permitted into the temple proper. In other words, God doesn't make any sense. He's sending the message of the birth of Jesus to unclean people rather than to the religious leaders. Of course, the most ridiculous thing is that God the Father has his son Jesus put to death for your sins. That doesn't make sense. So what I've discovered is that as you're sharing what doesn't make sense, occasionally people come to faith and they say, yes, I now believe what you are saying. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Number six, reason why this video was saying, I will not share my faith, is because I will be made fun of. And so they have a little part of the movie where he's trying to share the faith he has in Jesus Christ and the people to whom he is speaking make fun of him. Now that definitely is happening in our country today. You speak against certain immoral sins like abortion, homosexuality, uh, living together before marriage, and people will make fun of you. They will say, oh, that's just old-fashioned. In fact, I was watching a movie recently where the mother did not want her son and the girlfriend sleeping together when they visited her. And they said, well, she's just old-fashioned and kind of made fun of her. And a lot of people don't want to be made fun of. Well, Jesus was made fun of to the point where he was crucified. Number five, reason why this movie said, I can't share my faith, is I don't know how to start. And they had a little scene where he was ready to talk to a woman about Jesus and didn't know what to say. Well, my suggestion is you have a lot to say. If you've been in church, you might know the creeds, the apostles, the Nicene, the Athanasian, which are wonderful summaries of the work of Jesus Christ. You can share that. Or you might have a hymn that really has been helpful to you in coming to realize what God's will is and his work for you. Or you might have heard a sermon about a specific passage of scripture that you were all messed up on and now have been clarified. Like this uh, one I just gave about the rich man. What shall I do? to inherit eternal life. And you make the point that there's nothing you can do. Number four, and I've heard this, I, I don't want to witness to somebody because I'm a sinner and they're going to recognize that perhaps I'm a bad witness. Well, the fact of the matter is the disciples all who fled from Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, they became the apostles or were the apostles 
that spoke the word of God. They were sinners. They did not understand Jesus. And a lot of that understanding didn't come about until Pentecost. And so in speaking the word of God, they were concerned about what they should say because they are terrible witnesses. There isn't a pastor I know that is not a sinner. And yet God works through sinners. Number three reason the video had why I can't share my faith. What if I say something wrong and send someone to hell? Now, that's not possible. It's not possible. What if you're talking to a false teacher? Well, the false teaching, that may be that that is something the person will begin to believe, but that's because they made that choice to believe that. And it's not because they were told something wrong. In other words, Jesus said a lot of things and people still were sent to hell because they did not believe in what he said. So that's kind of a real comfort for pastors that yes, occasionally I may say something wrong in a sermon or a Bible study, but I'm often corrected even by the laity. And then I will announce that correction and help a person come to faith. Number two, do not want people to think that I am a religious nut because I'm so judgmental. Now that's really occurring in our society where Christians are considered to be judgmental because let's say a Christian is against murdering someone that you don't like. Well, what about the person who does the murder? Are they not being judgmental because they don't like the person? They think, well, therefore, I can go ahead and put them to death. If you ever want to see a good series of uh, movies where the old Adam is clearly shown in every one of them, it's Midsummer Murders. Uh, there must be 60 of those each one about an hour and a half. And it really shows how evil people are in their thoughts. So yes, you may be considered a religious nut. Jesus was to the point where they crucified him. The number one reason why the movie was saying, I can't share my faith. And this is another one I've heard. I don't know enough about Christianity to give an answer. And in the movie, somebody asked him, well, what's this about transubstantiation? Now, transubstantiation is a Roman Catholic philosophical understanding of what happens in the Lord's Supper, where the substance of the bread and wine change into the substance of Christ's body and blood. Now, most Lady, don't understand that. So what happens when you're talking to somebody about your faith in Jesus Christ and they ask you a question? Here's my 
response to lay people say, you know, I know there's an answer to that, but I'm unaware of it right now. Let me talk to my pastor and I'll get back to you. And that's the way to answer questions that you don't know what the answer is. Now, there still are, in my view, hundreds of questions that the Bible doesn't give an answer to. And and so sometimes that will become your answer. But the movie ends by making a very important point that these are not appropriate reasons why you don't witness. They are instead excuses because of your fear. And God says, I will bring things to your mind, and who knows what you will say that the Holy Spirit will use to convert a person. Look at Paul on the road to Damascus. He simply heard Jesus say, I am the one you are persecuting. On Monday's Long Gospel, we'll be taking a look at readings as we are moving into the season of Advent. Advent meaning to come, Jesus coming into the world. Join us because there will be comfort for you. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.